Okay, good evening, everyone. So we are continuing Yaradeh. We are in Simen Tzadi Hey. We are up to Sif Hey. So this, the next three Sifim, Sif Hey, Vav, and Zion, are really based on a Gemara Nchulun. The Gemara Nchulun is Daf Kufyad Beis Amad Aleph. So I'll read you the Gemara. We'll learn the Rashi, and we'll see what we do Halacha Lamaisa. So the Gemara asks the following question: Ba Minei Ravdimi Merav Nachman. So Ravdimi asks from Rav Nachman, Ma'ala Nuche Kada de Milcha. Can I put a bowl of salt right next to the bowl of kutach? Kimcha Rasha is kutach. So what's his question? His question is, can I have my salt, we'll call it the salt shaker, or your salt dish on the table in close proximity to my kimcha, to my uh, kutach? Kutach was this dip that had some croutons in it and whey. It was milchiks. Can I have milchiks right next to the salt? So what did Rav Nachman say? Amalei, he responded, Usr, you're not allowed to have it in close proximity. So Rashi explains, the Shiloh was, Michai Shinon, are we concerned? Shema Yipol minakutach b'melech, maybe the dairy dish, your croutons and cheese, are going to fall into the salt. V'hula yada, he's not going to realize it. basar, and then he's going to take that salt and he's going to take from that salt and use that for his chalent when he's cooking that afternoon. So the question is, can I have, can I eat or can I have dairy right in, in close proximity to the salt? And the Gemara said it's usr. That's the Gemara. Nobody argues, right? Next, the Gemara asks, what about challah? What about vinegar? Would the same halacha apply to vinegar? So Amarleh, he said, shari, it will be mutter. I'm skipping some of the Gemara, but he said it will be mutter. What's the difference between Vinegar and salt. So that's the Gemara's question. And the Gemara says, Hai ise isura be'ene, v'hai leise isura be'ene. When you have salt, so you have dry salt, you have flaking salt, and bits of the cheese are going to fall into it, that isur never became bottle. It's be'ene, it's right there. And if that is put onto a piece of steak, you have basu b'chalav. But if you have vinegar, so vinegar... Uh, it's a liquid, and anything that would, the bleus that would go in there, the Gemara, the Gemara assumes, would become bottle. You wouldn't see it anymore. It's gone. And in that case, we're not, we are not concerned that some of the cheese might have fallen in, and you don't see it anymore, and uh, you would then use that for meat. It would be bottle in that case. But the Gemara clearly holds that if you had a dish full of salt, and you were eating your... Uh, your milchiks, and we could assume fleishiks as well, in close proximity. Halach is you're not allowed to do that. Asr, one is not allowed to la'anuche, to simply place kada de milcha, gabe kada de kimcha. You're not allowed to have, you're not allowed to have the salt in close proximity to milchiks. That's the Gemara. Seemingly nobody argues on this Gemara. So there are a few points here. Number one, Toysus points out, he says, ain la'asr mitamzeh, don't assume that based on this Gemara, one is not allowed to have on the same table Don't assume that you can't have a container of fleishiks and a container of milchiks. Ah, you just told me. Toysis is Mahu. Mahu. Okay. On the left side of the page. I'm reading my notes, but it's the left side of the page. Mahu. You see that? Yeah. Yeah. Don't assume. Why? 
because the hasam niz hayafesh la If you have basar and chalav, let's give an example. It's on your counter. You are preparing meals for the week. You're geshikta uh, balabasta. You're preparing for the entire week, and you have fleishiks on one on in one container, milchiks in another container. You are going to be careful, Taisva says, to make sure that things don't get mixed. You're from a uh, balabas. However, when it comes to eating in close proximity to salt, you don't have basa b'chalav here. You're just eating. You're eating your cheese danish, and it's right next to the salt. There, the cheese danish might get into the salt, and then you're not going to think about it. And later on, someone's going to take from that same salt and use it to sprinkle on top of their uh, meatballs on top of something else. So that's toysa sashita, that this is only a concern for parv. It's not a concern for basa b'chalav, which is counterintuitive. We would say, of course, it would be a problem by basa b'chalav. Now, if you want to get into the halacha, really there's a riot to toysa from what we learned way back in Simon Peches. The halacha was you're not allowed to eat milchiks on the same table that you have fleishiks on unless you have a simon. However, that's only when you're actually eating. But to simply have it on the same table, on the table that you're doing preparations, the Mishnayah say it's fine. So it's a riot to Toysavis that we're not concerned that things will get mixed in and you won't notice. Now, when you're eating itself, there's a concern you're going to grab some cheese fries when you're eating your burger. That's a concern while you're eating. You're not going to think straight. But when you're simply preparing, you have uh, Yishavadas and uh, you'll be able to notice that is Shitas Toysavis. So let's see how we pass in Shulchan Aruch. So in Sif Hay, the Shulchan Aruch here says, he's literally reading from the Gemara, You cannot have, you cannot place a keli that has kutach, which is milchiks, next to a keli that has salt. If it's vinegar, as the Gemara pointed out, there is no concern. Comes along the Ramah, there must is a very important uh, detail which calms us down in halacha. Only if these kalim are open, they're not covered. And if it was covered, there wouldn't be any issue. So let's think about the most common example would be sometimes you go to a grocery store and the cashier puts the fleishiks and milchiks in, in, separate, uh, in separate bags, shopping bags, depending on which supermarket you shop in. So, Lachari, there's no issue. If the, if the kalim are closed, or as long as one of the kalim is closed, there really wouldn't be any issue of, of things getting into each other. But if it's open, that's the, that's the Gemara. The Gemara said if it's open and it's salt, then there would be an issue. V'dafka ma'kalim agulim. Or let's say in your refrigerator, if they are closed, you could have fleishik pan right next to a milchik pan, and there wouldn't be any issue because they are closed. Now, the Ramah points out another halacha. Let's say a person went against the Gemara. He read the Gemara in Chulundav Kufiyad Beis, or he never heard of it. He had kutach next to melach. He had milchiks next to salt. He shouldn't have done that. Don't do it. What if he did it? Is he allowed to use this salt for fleishiks? So here, the halacha is mutter. You're allowed to use the salt. Ah, you just told me don't do it. Meaning, don't put yourself in a situation where this might happen. But let's say you asked the question. It was it was in close proximity. You know, I don't think anything fell in there. The halacha is, We don't assume that Isser happened, Isser transpired. 
and there wouldn't be any issue. The a common example would be you have a lady, she's drinking a coffee and she's making uh, flashics, and while she was drinking, she responded to someone and she's not sure if she spit or, or, or something flew in the air and landed on the meat. So ignoring Bittal for now, one could say the same thing. And that's the halacha. If you don't know if anything happened, then we, we don't assume any isr happened. Now, that doesn't give someone the allowance to go against these takonis, these gedarim uh, that Chazal told us to keep. For example, eating on the same table, you know, milk and flesh, or putting it in close proximity. So this would be another example where there wouldn't be an issue, as long as you, you, don't, you don't know for sure that anything fell into the salt, you could use the same salt for fleshiks later on. But lechatchila, if they are megulim, if they are open, you should not have them in close proximity. That is sif hey. What about sif vav? So you'll tell me who the shochan is going like. In sif vav, mutter litain teva, within the same box, you could have kad shel basar, etzel You could have a box of milk, a container of meat, next to a container of milk. Who is this like? So you look in the Ber Hagayla and Ois Tess, he's quoting Taisus. We saw the Taisus inside that this whole, cons- this entire concern was only for salt and milchiks, but fleshiks and milchiks, people would know if something fell in and there's no issue to have it in close proximity. That's the Shitas on the Chaber. So if you're a Svarti, you could set up your fridge, you could have open fleshiks next to open milchiks. Comes along the Ramah, he quotes the Hagoyes Shri and others, that this whole din is is uh, is saying it's fine, but lechatchila we should be machmer. So in a makam where it's not a tzaruch, one should be machmer. So if you're uh, setting up your kosher kitchen for the first time, or you just you're bringing home groceries from the store, you should set up your refrigerator and counters that we should not have open meat in close proximity to open milk. And it's a common thing. People ask usually yontif time when there's a lot of things that like, somehow it's a, a Yiddish miracle at every home. What goes into that refrigerator over you know a three day yontif? So you could have open bag of chicken and then there's a pan of 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 of, uh, of meat on the bottom shelf and someone pulled the milk from the back shelf and knocked over a cup of chocolate milk from another child that morning and you could have all types of things going on in the refrigerator. So you could see why not to have it in close proximity. Even if it was in close proximity, the Ramah says, that anything fell. If it did fall, we learned the halachas in Simon Tzali Aleph, Sif Zayin, all the different halachas. When you have milk, we have a shear, milk that's spilled onto, uh, onto the roast. We have that halacha shear of what to do. Bittol, is it salty? All the different uh, considerations. But lechatchila, if they are open, one should not have them in close proximity. That is Sif Vav. And a, and, a, and a little piece of silver foil is good enough? I'm saying that covers a pan? Yes, yeah, so, yeah. If it's closed, then it would be fine because the concern here is simply that something's going to fall in. We're not dealing with heat and you know steam. We're simply concerned for splashes or splatters. Okay, Sif Zayin. Another halacha. This is not based on that Gemara, but it's a little later on. Let's say that's salt. So you had you had a what called flaking salt. Okay, many chefs and many uh, food connoisseurs they use flaking salt on the table and to add it onto their dishes. So you put the salt into a 
on a, in a china flesha keli. That's where you put the salt. Am I now allowed to use this same salt for milchik? Now we're not dealing with things that fell in. We're dealing with a different halacha. The halacha is that maliach kiraiseach, that something salty has the status of being hot. So let's say you had hot tea, let's assume klirishon, that was in a fleshik china, that tea has a blia of fleshiks. Now we know not by not and all types of things, but that tea has a blia from the fleshik keli. So l'chayra, if you have salty food or salt itself, that should also have a, get a blia from, from the keli. So the mechaber here says not a problem. Mutter, why? So there's a rule we have to always know. Ein melicha bekelim, lahaflik. There's no melicha when it comes to kelim to pull out the blia. We learned this once upon a time. Halacha is that melicha works from, to get to, to bring the taste out of food, but to absorb taste, that would only happen if the food is fatty. We learned that way back. And over here, a keli is not fatty, it's a keli. And you're not going to get any flavor from the keli. Now, it's, it happens to be a random halacha here. The Ramah here says, Some of one or two reasons, even or either they hold, there is malicha b'kelim, or they are concerned that it wasn't cleaned so well. Now, this comes up in a shlachtois. The way kosher meat is processed, I'm sure we all know, is that the meat has to be salted. Now, if you roasted it, you wouldn't need to salt it, but we uh, we salt all the meat, kemat, to make sure that nobody cooks it, and to make sure it's washed properly. So it's washed, soaked, and salted. When they have salting tables where they are salting the meat, so the question is, do you have to have brand new kashered tables for the salting, or can you use the trefa tables that are in that are in this uh, the company in a non-Jewish uh, slaughterhouse? Even if it's a Jewish slaughterhouse, they have many trefas there. So the halacha is in malicha bekelim. That's how we paskin. The Ramah here brings down a machmer gambazet tavel lebracha. So some shkachos will kasher, or they will estimate if these things were ever treif. But for the most part, you do not need to use a kosher keli when you do malicha. Now, anyways, the malicha has to have the keli has to have holes, has to be on a slant, all the different rules of malicha. But we paskin in malicha bekelim. There's no malicha bekelim to pull out a blia. Okay. Another nafkamina would be regarding cheese. So most cheese in America, I think all the cheese in America, are made in non-kosher facilities. That means that the company, we'll call it the Miller cheese, Oneg cheese, Stark cheese, whether it's Chal Yisrael or non-Chal Yisrael, the company does a special run. They, If it's Chal Yisrael, then they have to bring in Chal Yisrael milk. And the cheese has to be made Gvinas Yisrael. How do you create Gvinas Yisrael? So there's a shach, the remor, the shach holds, the, the yid has to actually put it into the, put the rennet into the into the milk to create the cheese. And the remor holds simply being there, watching it happen, works. There might be a new creative way how some hashkachas are doing it today when you could have 50 cheeses being made at the same time and only have one mashkiach. So we'll talk about that at a different time. Not for now. But there's a there's a concept of gvinas yisrael. Now all the all the cheese is being made in non-kosher facilities. So let's say 
you're making your uh, your cheese, whether it's Chalav Yisrael or Chalav Stam, but it's Gvinas Yisrael. It's uh, Schwartz's cheese. They put the cheese into these molds for aging purposes. And very often, there's a lot of salt there. Cheddar cheese has a significant amount of salt. So the question is, they just used these molds yesterday for non-kosher cheese. It wasn't kosher. It was Isser Dirabonin to eat it. How are you allowed to use these molds for kosher cheese when it's salty? If it's salt, if the cheese is salty, it's a cheddar cheese, it's salty. Maliach kiroiseach. The salty cheese should get a blia from those molds. So most hashkachas and companies do not kosher. They are relying on this mechaber. That ain't Malik. So, so it seems like the cheese will never get hot, though, because I'm not even worried about it. So there is a whole different discussion of getting hot. Yes, yeah, so if you're making hot mozzarella cheese where it has to stretch, you have to kosher the cooker, many different details. But usually cheese is not made above 120 degrees. Parmesan is, is the hottest at, what you know, 119. But um, but many, many ashkachas kosher the equipment because it, the filling is filled hot. If you're making chalvi soil, you have to kosher because the milk is pasteurized. If you're making chalv stam, then it's just chalv stam milk. You wouldn't need to kosher too much, but you have to make the cheese itself. So the uh, the molds have a blia of non-kosher cheese, but but my, by me putting in kosher cheese, I'm not going to pull out that blia because ein maliacha bekelim lahaflite. The 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 kalim are not going to spit out their blia by simply having salt in there. That is this mechaber who said that salt in a keli doesn't absorb any flavor from the keli. So you had, you had salt that was put into a fleshic keli. You could use it for milchiks later on, that same salt, because ain melicha bekelim lahaflite. Okay, so that's the end of Simen Tzadihei. Just to review the last uh, halacha that we learned, last few halachas were regarding proper separation in one's kitchen. The truth is, most of these halachas really should have been found and discussed way back in Simon Peites and Simon Peches when we spoke about uh, having separate knives for, for challah, having a placemat at the table. For some reason, the Shulchan Aruch brought it down here in Simon Sadi. Hey, So just to review some of the things we mentioned regarding salt shakers, if you look at the Taz, the last two lines of the Taz in our Simon, he brings down from the Maharshal, the sea Maharshal, Minog Ashkenaz. I think it's a good Minog by the Ashkenazim. They have two separate Kalim for salt. During the meal, his hands are all filthy. From the steak, he's eating ribs, he's eating uh, lamb chops or wings, his hands are full of chicken or meat. He goes to take a little more salt. So, he's now going to use that salt tomorrow for his eggs, for his omelet and cheese. So he says it's terrible, and therefore it's great that the minog is to have two separate kalim. So the Paiskim over the past century discussed this taz, and is it negea? Do we have to have separate salt shakers? So most of the Paiskim say no. The taz is simply, first of all, he doesn't say it's required. He says, I, I praise this minog, so it's only a minog. But, but that, that salt, they put their oh, fingers very in. Good. So they say that, that you saw. That, that salt, they're putting, they're putting their fingers in versus our salt shakers. Nobody's putting their fingers into the salt itself. It wouldn't be an issue. However, let's say in one's family, children or yeshiva bachrim, they take the salt and they put it into the food itself or they take uh, ketchup bottles and the ketchup bottle is full of chalant. And uh, perhaps in that case, there would be this minog. Now, you can't say it's usser because typically you'd have bittol and you have to find the case where it would actually make it usser. 
But it would make sense, it would be an appropriate extension of that minog from uh, hundreds of years ago to have separate, uh, uh, you know, catch-ups or soul shakers if the house... What about the steam? The steam of the... So usually it's a cliche. So we discussed, let's say, talk, let's say in the kitchen itself, to, let's say you put pepper into your chalent right on top of the pot. So then you have to be concerned for the steam. So there's two concerns for steam. Number one is the end. So the end, we would say there's nothing there. I don't see anything. It's about bashishim. The other concern is the heat, the bulia going in. But usually, in most situations, at that point, the heat is not 120 degrees. That's not how hot the steam is. It's a little low. It's going to be less than that. And there wouldn't be any bulia. But it would be proper to avoid the whole shiloh by either having separate uh, salt and pepper um, uh, dispensers or to put it in your hand before putting it in. One exception to this that is uh, in, in uh, commercial kitchens. Many chefs do not want to be uh, shaking things into their food. They take a pinch of salt, a pinch of pepper, a pinch of garlic, or they have open bowls of barbecue sauce, of uh, soy sauce, oil. So in, the, in those scenarios where there's hands all over the place, in that case, even when it comes to meat and fish, not necessarily milkshakes and flakes in the restaurant, even simply having meat and fish in a meat and fish restaurant. So if they're going to use their hands, the chef hopefully wearing a glove, they wash their hands, they're using their hands to take the uh, the salt or the garlic. So in that case, uh, a, a upstanding hashkacha would require they have separate, you know, garlic uh, bowls, salt bowls for fish and meat. Okay. So that's regarding the salt, regarding the refrigerator. So... When you have open food in the refrigerator, you're asking for trouble. But technically, as long as you don't have both open milchiks and open flashes at the same time, there's no halacha that tells you you can't have it together. If you have open milchiks and open flashes at the same time, mechaber holds it's fine based on taisvis. The Ramah Ashkenazim say lechatchila we should be machmer and not to do it. But if it was done, you don't have to throw anything out unless you actually saw something happen, something spilled. Then you have to look in simon sadi aleph. I believe it was Siv Zion when we discussed what to do when milk spilled onto the uh, onto the roast. Okay, fine. Next, so let's let's begin for a few minutes. Simon Savidal. So we skipped Simon Savidal. You'll see why we skipped it. That and you'll see how Simon Savihei is a very helpful introduction to Simon Savidal. So the title of Simon Salidal is Dina Toichiv Kafchileves Bikdeir Someone stuck a milchik spoon into a fleshik pot. This is your classic kitchen shiloh. So the truth is, before we got sidetracked into the world of parv, we had been spending uh, many weeks discussing many fundamental topics in Yaradea. Number one, there's a concept of Tom Kikr that even if you don't see the meat, but there's flavor of the meat, so the flavor is, unless it's bata bashishim, we have to, we assume it's ke'ikr, it's as if the meat is here. We spoke about blius and kalim, bital bashishim, the hetter of Eneb and yoimoy, and then we moved on to naparnat. So when you think of simen tzali dalet, dina toichev, kafcheleves, begdeir shabasar, when you stick in a milchig spoon into a fleshig pot, it should be a fairly simple, straightforward halacha. It should be one line that, if both things, both items are in a benyamay, there's no issue. If there's benyamay kalim, we definitely have an issue. Let's think about if we have shishim in the chalant against the milchik spoon, and that's it. There shouldn't be too much to learn. However, 
surprisingly, there are many halachas and many new details that we're going to learn in Simen Tzavidav. So let's see the Mechaber briefly, and we'll give some introductory remarks. So he says like this, You took a milchik spoon, and you stuck it into Bikdeir Shabbasar, into a fleshik pot, or Yibcha, or the opposite. So now, let's think about it. You need Shishim against the spoon, right? In order for the contents to be kosher. What about the spoon itself? There's no way the spoon has 60 times volume against the food. So usually the spoon is the first thing that we're going to kosher. Now, for the most part, it's not a big deal to kosher the spoon. Take a pot of water, that, take a pot that hasn't been used for 24 hours, fill it up with water, bring it to a running boil, and throw the spoon in. You know, 24 hours have passed since this mistake, and you kosher your spoon. It's not a big deal. What usually happens is the spoon ends up back in the drawer with all the other spoons. Then you have another shaila of Dover Shiesha Matirin is the bottle. And many places can say you don't have to kosher all your uh, silverware. So usually the spoon is the is the least of the problems. Yeah, Rabbi Yossi. I just I understand. No spoon has 16 negative pot because it has, le- has, has less than 60? No, no, it doesn't have 60 times the pot. Meaning if I had a milchik spoon and I stuck it into chalent, there's no way I could get away without kashering the spoon. But there's more than 60 times in the chalent and the spoon, no? Yeah, so maybe the chalent is kosher, but the spoon got a blue inflation, right? That's my point. Yeah, very good. So fine. Thanks for pointing that out. Yes, that's what I meant. Okay, so the Mahabra is going to say the spoon obviously is is done. You don't have to throw it in the garbage. You can kosher it, but it's not kosher anymore. What about the food and what about the pot? So he says like this. We only have to calculate the amount of spoon that went into the pot, went into the contents of the food. What, is, what does that mean? So he's bringing up a topic called, which we're going to see next week at length, cham miktsosoy, cham kuloy, or not. When you stuck something into the, into the pot, so you had a spoon, a big, huge uh, spatula or a spoon, stuck it into the pot. How much blea? How many? How much bleas went into the pot? Do we say the entire spoon, the entire spatula, or only the amount that actually touched the food? I'll give an example. Let's say you're making a, you're sautéing liver for Shabbos, so you don't have such a thick uh, f- amount of food. You have a very small layer of oil, or, and you have liver there, and you took a big spoon and you put it in. The only part that we have to start thinking about that we need shishim against is that half an inch of spoon that went into the ca- that went into the contents not the entire spoon that's what the machabi here says we'll see why we'll see how this plays a role in kashering kalim this is the concept of ham mitzasai ham kuloi and the machabi is being makel that we don't say ham mitzasai ham kuloi we assume ham mitzasai only mitzasai became hot not the rest of the spoon. These are these are just brief introductory remarks. We'll get to it next week. So he says like this: Now the Ramah points out obviously If the spoon wasn't used in twenty four hours for uh, for milchiks, and now you put it into your liver, it didn't answer the liver. You might have to kosher the spoon because the spoon has fleshig blia now, but the liver is going to be kosher. Then he says like this: if the spoon is made out of metal, if it's made out of metal, then we assume the heat uh, would transfer and it will be entirely hot. 
And there are those that argue and say that. However, the Ramah points out, we're Mekel here, both the Machabers in, in, in Arachayim and Hilchus Pesach is Mekel as well. The Ramah here is Mekel, the Chein that's the Minog, that we don't say Cham Iksasseh Cham Kuloi. So, Hashem, next week we'll talk about some of the exceptions to the rule of Cham Iksasseh Cham Kuloi. We'll also discuss a famous topic in Halacha where, let's say, you asked the housewife or the, the fellow who's cooking, how much did you stick in? He says, I don't know. And then he later on says, maybe it was only a certain amount. There's a concept called Milsa Dele Rami Olav Inish Lavadate. If you weren't focusing on something, Bishas Maisa, you have no Nemonis to say later on how much it was. There's a famous Nadibuda on this we'll talk about. And we'll see what do you do in this case? How much of the spoon actually went in? How much do we have to be concerned for? What if the spoon is physically hot? Do I still ignore the fact that it's hot and say, no, 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 or do we say that it's entirely hot? Then we have to be uh, choshish for this. We'll get into kashering kalim. When you kasher something, you have to kasher from the food side, or can I kasher from the outside of it? There were many, uh, not many, there were several hashgachas years ago that were giving hashgacha to uh, scotch aged in sherry casks. So the way they would prepare the sherry casks for kosher is they would kosher it. Now you could ask if they're koshering it, why would the company use it? So maybe it wasn't such a good koshering, but they were they were taking fire and they were charring the outside of the barrel. Well, however, that wouldn't help. You'd have to char the inside of the barrel, which the companies never allowed them to do it. What, what they do now, hopefully, is that they take a temperature of the inside. We'll discuss. Do I have to kosher from the side of the blia? Because... This, it's, it, it's the same logic. Do I say that just because there's heat on one side, do we assume the heat spread to the entire side? Can I assume it? Do I have to confirm it? How, meaning the same sugya of how a blia transferred from the spoon into the chalent is the same sugya of kashering the spoon. Which side of the spoon do I have to kasher? Which side of the barrel do I have to kasher? Let's see the glass stovetop. You want to kasher for Pesach. So where did the blia happen? The blia happened on the surface of the glass stovetop. How are you kashering? You're not blowtorching your glass stovetop or any stovetop. You're turning on the fire, which is underneath. It's, a, it's the other side of the of, of the keli. So how in the world do we kasher from one side to the other side? Is there an exception to this rule that if we see that it's hot, then it's enough? So we'll discuss that next week. The sugya of how it plays a role in our kitchens and how it plays a role in uh, in giving ashtocha and kashering or Pesach and other situations. Wow.